0: I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on Rikers Island Realities. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Recently, I got an exclusive tour of Rikers Island with new correction commissioner, Louis Molina. It was very eye-opening to be sure, but in some ways it raised more questions than answers. And a lot of those having to do with safety, staffing and conditions for detainees And what is going to be going on as these years roll on towards a possible closure of Rikers Island, what's really happening there. So there are many perspectives on this, a lot of layers to it, a lot of politics involved as well. And we've got a great group to break it all down for us. So let's find out right now what our panel has to say. Joining me is Benny Basio. He's the president of COBA, that's the Correction Officers Benevolent Association, the Correction Officers Union. Benny, thank you so much for being with us
1: appreciate you having me uh, here with you, Lisa. It's a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much. Also joining us is, is Alice Fontier. She's the managing director and an attorney with the Neighborhood Defender Service in Harlem. Alice, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. We appreciate it. Also with us is David Carr. He's a New York City council member from Staten Island on the Criminal Justice Committee and been working on this issue um, in depth. David, thank you so much for being with us.
2: Thank you, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be on the panel.
0: We appreciate it. And also with us is Bimmy Atney. He's a legendary hip hop music producer, most famous for LL Cool J, among many other artists. And he's also a program coordinator, what you may not know, for Rikers Island detainees, trying to bring programs to the young men who are incarcerated so that they don't get in trouble and so that they have some options and some skills uh, when they get out. Bimmy, thank you so much for being with us. Yes, thank you, Lisa. Thanks for having me. We we appreciate it, Benny. I want to start with you on this. What do you see right now as the crisis of as a crisis or the current condition of Rikers Island? I mean,
3: I mean, I lived in there, so you know, I've been there for the last few months, and it's like the blind leading the blind. Nobody knows nothing. Nobody can help. Nobody can, you know. When I talk to the inmates, you know. Nobody's like have a, a you know a reason to means to help anybody. Like, even myself, when I ask for certain things, I can't even get it. Like, it's just, everybody's crashing. Nobody's leaving It's, like, nobody.
0: a, it's like, a, like a state of emergency. Benny Basio Jr., the, the correction officers, you've been speaking out about conditions there uh, for the officers and certain policies that are in place. Is it as bad as everybody thinks it is? Is it better than the summer? Is it, you know, where, where, where are we at right now?
1: Um, we are dealing with inhumane conditions on Island for officers and inmates alike. Um, this is obviously eight years of neglect, in my opinion, from the prior administration. Um, they basically decided that they wanted to close Rikers Island and once that decision was made, they felt, you know, they, let's just let Rikers Island rot. Let's not keep up with the infrastructure. Um, you know, there's been violences on, on, on the rise year after year, steadily assaults on correction officers, um, assaults on nonviolent inmates. We've had 1500 correction officers assaulted in the last year. Um, the prior administration was housing inmates by their gang affiliation, you know, putting um, everyone at risk and, and kind of empowering and emboldening the, the inmates by, you know, putting them together by their gangs. It just, they, they set us up, for to fail it's like we've been set up to fail it's like a recipe for disaster of what we're dealing with it's truly unfortunate
0: and then some of the 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 gang the gang housing policy has changed under the new commissioner according to what he he told us but alice you were there during the summer inside you got to look inside at the height of this humanitarian crisis that was going on at that intake center where do you see things at now
4: so what we saw then was horrific it was an absolute crisis um, with many units unstaffed, um, incarcerated people having to fend for themselves, basic services not being provided. And when I say basic, I mean food, medical, access to hygiene. Um, very little has changed. It is still a crisis. Our clients report to us on a daily basis. Um, that they are still struggling, making repeated sick calls, still struggling to get medical. Um, Court dates are often missed. Violence is rampant and, you know, people are still dying and dying at a really horrific rate. Last week, two people died in two days. One, both in the new intake center that was meant to clean up the old intake center. Uh, the most recent person died because he choked, and there was nobody there to assist. And a lot of this, and, and a lot
0: of this, comes back to uh, all these issues seem to just, you know, go really come back to this whole staffing thing. But David, as a, as a city council member, you sit through these meetings, you sit through these hearings, you hear all the testimony. Who's really in charge? Who can really make a difference in terms of Rikers, making Rikers Island better? Because the mayor appoints the commissioner, there's this federal monitor, there's, there's some state laws that have to deal with safety procedures. I mean, is there a coherent vision for what it's supposed to be?
2: Well, I think, I think you're right. There's a lot of layers of responsibility here, but for, for me, the part I focus on is both the administration and the council's role in ensuring secure and safe uh, conditions at, at Rikers Island, I think, you know, we have a two, two-fold crisis that's contributing to the current, you know, unchecked epidemic of violence. The first is, as you as you mentioned, the staffing crisis. We absolutely need, uh, you know, more staffing, more corrections officers at Rikers Island, because we've been adding more supportive programming over the years, and that means that the staff is stretched thin when you're transporting individuals to and from programming. You're leaving fewer op- more officers exposed when they're still on the cell block. And and that's a recipe for for really dangerous situations when you combine it with some of the things that Benny was describing earlier. And then on the other side, we have a facilities crisis, because when Mayor de Blasio came into office in 2014, there was a major capital plan on the table to improve conditions at Rikers. And he was for it, but ultimately abandoned it in favor of this ridiculous borough-based jail system. And I think if we had proceeded with that original plan at the outset, we'd be in a much better place we are today in terms of the material conditions at
0: Rikers. All right, we're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back.
4: Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts. And this is Street Soldiers
1: with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people
0: only on Hot 97. You did. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're focusing on Rikers Island realities. What's really going on? How can things be fixed? How can it be made safer for staff, for correction officers, for detainees? We're going to find out what our our guests have to say in this episode. Joining me is Benny Basio, Jr. He's the president of COBA. It's the Correction Officers Benevolent Association, the Correction Union. Benny, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Also with us is Alice Fontier. She's the managing director and an attorney with Neighborhood Defender Service in Harlem. Alice, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Also with us is David Carr. He's a New York City Council member from Staten Island and on the Criminal Justice Committee. David, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. And also with us is Bimmy Antney, He's a legendary hip hop music producer and a program coordinator for Rikers Island Detainees. Bimmy, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Thank you. I think one of the things that I noticed and really kind of got a feel for, and it wasn't the first time I've been on Rikers Island, um, but it was the first time I got such a comprehensive look inside, Is that anywhere an inmate goes, for an inmate to have a medical visit, for an inmate to participate in a program, for for any type of thing, it it requires at least one correction officer to escort that detainee to that particular function or location. So, Benny, in terms of the number of COs, what does that do to, to what's happening there?
1: Well, look, I mean, that's the, the, historically, the department has understaffed us um, and they don't account for all the extra posts that are required, like Bimi was talking about the programs, right? A lot of inmate programs have been added that require additional officers to work those programs, but they're not accounted for on paper. So we, we're not hiring the proper staff. And then when you just hire enough and you have to deal with a pandemic, you have to deal with 1,500 officers being assaulted. You know, I, we visit officers in the hospital with broken eye sockets, broken noses, torn shoulders. The reality is that we have a very dangerous job. And I think when people talk about the sick rate, right? You know, not hiring correction officers in over three years, compiled with everything I just said and all the assaults, that decimated us. So we don't have a regular job where if if I have a broken eye socket, I'm not coming to work tomorrow. We have hundreds of officers recovering from major injuries. And when you don't have enough officers hired for a backfill, this is what the result is.
0: And then Betty, but it, it's, also, it's also the issue with the, with the detainees or with the inmates um, as well, because if they're, in, if they're in some kind of need, there's nobody there you know, to, to help them right away because they're busy doing something else. But one of the other things that really surprised me is Commissioner Molina said, he he goes. Basic security measures were not in place, and one of those, which we saw, was the doors on the jail cells could just be popped open. So not only is that a danger to the officers, but it's a danger to the to the detainees yeah. as well. Because how you 400%. know you, you want to go to sleep, but if somebody can just you know pop your door and come in and do something to you, what kind of security is that, Alice? What do you think about that?
4: Like I'm. I'm not here to get in a fight with, with Benny or, or the union about what's happening with staffing there, but what, you know, and the history of how it is funded. But yeah. the simple reality is, is that, you know, this, the corrections department has an enormous budget, the vast majority of which goes towards personnel. The ratio of correction officers in two incarcerated people in Rikers Island is higher than almost any other jail in the country. And yet the basic services can't be met. And it is, the facilities are falling apart. Yeah, like the fact that, that we... uh, you know, whatever anybody thinks about a jail, you know, the idea that you have jails where the door locks don't work should be a little surprising to-, <laughs> to Shocking, that's a bit shocking. Um, and the, like, that's part of it is that you have facilities that are literally falling apart. You don't have people working on the units in the, you know, literally on the units, the officers are not there. And so when people can come and go and open the doors as they want, and there's nobody there to stop them, there's nobody in control. And somebody has to be in control of these facilities for them to be safe for anybody that is there. You know, I know
0: I know it's old, but it's like you're going down the hallway, the plexiglass windows are broken. so. People are taking pieces of plexiglass to make homemade knives, the doors that that was, a, you know, that was a crazy piece that there was just no, no security like that for the doors and that they didn't have He said they didn't have enough officers um, for many, many months during the pandemic and even for some time before that to do weapon searches. So there was this whole atmosphere of basically it's every man or every officer, you know, for themselves. What, what about though, you know, the, these basic safety measures that are just mind boggling that you don't have, how do you not have cells that lock?
2: Yeah, I, I agree totally with that. You know, facilities is a major contributor to the dangerousness of the current situation. The, the commissioner testified just yesterday that, you know, with some tactical searches they've done since February, they you know, they've seized over 200 weapons uh, from, from folks that are there. And I think that we absolutely need safe secure facility and it's not just for the folks that are working there it's also for the folks who are being detained there because the reality is as new yorkers and even more so myself as an elected official we have a duty to provide a a humane environment for everyone there and that means a safe environment that's essential to that and pivoting away from fixing rikers and going to the borough based jail option has really taken the focus off of making sure that rikers is Habitable for the foreseeable future. Because the the truth of the matter is whether you think Rikers should close or not, and I'm not one of those people, Rikers is a reality now. And you need to provide humane conditions now as long as it's going to operate. And right now, its operation is essential to the criminal justice system in New York City.
0: And let me just
4: ask you Can I I jump in uh, on that? Uh, This city needs to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Rikers needs to close. This is a dilapidated facility that is unsafe and is killing people. Um, But even if you disagree with that premise, I do agree with what the council member just said. Rikers exists now. Um, And at the same time that we are either agreeing or arguing about closing it, you can't let it fall into complete disrepair as it has happened. It is costing you know, a lot. That's
0: what, that's what Benny Basio was saying is, is like, it's basically like you just, okay, it's going to go in foreclosure. We're not going to do any repairs or anything like that. But in terms right, they of- They left
1: us to rot, Lisa. I mean, come on, you know, th- this thing about, whoa, Rikers needs to close, you know, no matter where you put the jails, you know, the policies are going to dictate where the, how the violence is going to be, you know, consequences for crimes that are committed in jail have mm-hmm. to be upheld. right so this notion of when you decide oh we just have to close rikers and then they just let us rot but Mm -hmm. and and it's affecting officers and inmates and guess what 85 percent of correction officers are black and brown most of the people that are incarcerated are black and brown so we have we been just left to rot just because we're minority based i mean come on no other city agency gets treated the way we do and, and for the life of me, and, and to your point, Alice, like you say, oh, we have the richest staffing levels in the country. You know, uh, is everybody being assaulted the way we are? Like for the life of me, I don't understand why everybody's against us getting more staff. You know why? Because getting more staff keeps everybody in our jail safe. It keeps officers in a housing area. So we don't have unmanned areas when an inmate that God let his soul rest in peace that choked on an orange and we didn't have somebody there to say like we're being scapegoated about the, the sick rate. No, Alice, if, if you got punched in the face and you had a broken eye socket, how long are you going to be on the mend for that? If you get a broken bone, broken nose, you're not coming to work the next day. Like we have officers that are mending from serious injuries and we just can't go behind the gate with 50 of the same gang members to be able to protect ourselves and to protect the nonviolent and other inmates in our custody. This is our reality, but nobody wants to talk about that. Everybody wants to look at the numbers of how many people are out sick, but nobody wants to dive into why. We're we're going to
0: dive into it when we come back. I want to talk about some of these policies because this goes back to this federal monitor and certain things that can and cannot be done. And we're going to find out what our guests have to say when we come back. This is Street Soldiers, I'm Lisa Evers, don't go away.
3: Yo, what up, this your homie Ace Hood and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks and real people only on Hot 97.
0: Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about Rikers Island realities. Joining me for this conversation is Bimmy Antney. He's a legendary hip hop music producer and a program coordinator for Rikers Island detainees. Bimmy, great to have you with us. Same thing here, Lisa, thank you. Thank you so much. Also with us is Benny Basio Jr. He's the president of COBA, the Correction Officers Union. And Benny, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me on, Lisa. We appreciate it. Also joining us is Alice Fontier. She's the managing director and an attorney with the Neighborhood Defender Service in Harlem. Alice, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you again. And thank you. And also with us is David Carr. He's a New York City uh, council member from Staten Island on the Criminal Justice Committee. David, can we just, let's just talk about, for a moment about this, issue of closing Rikers Island. For, is it a done, because we've heard so many things and Mayor, when Mayor Eric Adams came into office, he said, well, we're, he said, I'm still on board, still on board with that, but that was a while ago. Is it, is there some kind of actual legislative mandate that it has to close by 2027? Or what are we, is that still kind of an idea that has to be voted in or whatever? So there, there was a rezoning
2: action to to make the jail there um, out of of the zoning context. But there's plenty of things that continue to operate in the city under prior existing zoning. I I don't think that it's a done deal because quite frankly, in order for Rikers to close, the borough-based jail system needs to become a reality. And frankly, it's an expensive controversial boondoggle and always will be. And I think that's always going to be the barrier that prevents Rikers from closing. And, and that's why I don't think it should ever close because a borrow-based jail system just doesn't make sense for New York City.
0: Well, also with the real estate with the real estate, and then you're still talking years, even if that were to happen, aren't you still talking years in terms of actually getting an entirely new system together like that?
2: Yeah, non-controversial capital projects in the city take years. So you can all, I, I think I think saying it takes years for this to become a reality is being generous. I don't think it'll ever become a reality, and that's why I think we have to pivot back to improving conditions at Rikers by investing in the facility there, investing in the staff there, and investing in the programming there, and all of the above approach. And we can make Rikers Island work for the purpose that it was always meant to serve.
0: What, what about that? Alice, do you think that's possible to, I mean, it's a, it's a big piece of land there, but then when you go in the actual jails, the hallways are small. You can't, if you know, two people can't be walk or two little groups can't be walking in different directions without kind of bumping into each other. It's just like, you know, I looked at it and I'm like, oh, this, if this were even a high school a high school facility, it would be really, you know, it would be really tough. What about just what about just saying, OK, listen, we've got to get basics, basic safety standards in place They're trying to try get those new locks on the doors. That money, apparently, according to the commissioners coming from the state. But that's a long process. It's taking years to get these new locks on the doors. But um, why not? Why not modernize it and fix it in the meantime?
4: I'm not arguing with that. I, I mean I I think there needs to be less people there in order to make it possible. We have to focus on decarceration, not sending as many people there. There's most people are there pre-trial and most people don't need to be. That's a that's a simple reality that needs to be addressed. But for the as long as we are going to have a jail, it needs to be a humane, safe place that functions. And Rikers Island is not that. None of the jails on the island meet that basic standard. Um, And we cannot continue the way that we are. It is costing lives on a monthly basis. Um, Mm -hmm. So we have to invest in these facilities. We have to make them livable. Because right now, that standard, just being survivable, is not well, being-
0: No, for the, for, you're talking about for the detainees, but also for the officers and also for the staff. There's plenty of non-uniform staff that have been ha- have had incidents or, or, or been assaulted as well. Benny, explain for us, we, we've heard about this federal monitor, um, the former a former warden from Rikers Island wrote an editorial recently for one of the newspapers talking about how the federal monitor was basically coming down with these directives sort of from a distance, from not really understanding what they were dealing with and not really being there on the ground. Give, it, give us a sense of, of what are some of the things or where, where you see the federal monitor having an impact.
1: I mean, look, the, the federal monitor has de- um, demonized us with every report. You know, It's like we're getting blamed for everything that's wrong with the criminal justice system. And the reality is that for as long as the, the, the federal monitor doesn't find us in compliance with the Nunez consent decree, the, the federal monitor has a job. And I think the federal monitor has earned like $10 million since their existence. And it's just report after report. And like you said, they're doing it from afar that based in Texas hasn't even been on Rikers that many times from, from my understanding. And then he wants to tell the department what they should be doing. And then when that doesn't work, they he wants to blame the department for everything under the sun. It's like, we're damned if we do we're damned if we don't and this has been the problem and you know the federal managers is using us as a scapegoat i feel
0: mean, what about in terms of the psycho- the psychology of the detainees of the guys that you that you've worked with been working with within the program what do they, what do they, what do they need like do they feel safe do they feel unsafe do they respond to clear rules i mean give us a sense of what's, what what I mean, where their heads are at
3: i mean these guys they're humans and and i think if you give them something, a program that they like and they, they can earn or live after jail, they going to listen and, and maintain and do what they got to do. You, feel, you follow me? A right. GED is yeah. not going to help them guys. They need a trade. They need a trade. You got guys with college educations, don't have a job. There's no right. job for them. So me personally, my program, I'm in the office. This is my office. Right. If you got 25 right. of life, I'm still taking care of you while you're in jail. Right. I'm okay. still showing you stuff. I'm still... Give these guys jobs on a movie set, studios. You could be an agent or you could be a manager. If you got to give these guys something, you don't give them nothing. all they're going to do is fight and kill each other. That's all what, they're going to
0: do. What, what, what about your sense of how dangerous it is? And, and just how,
3: it's know, dangerous. how
4: dangerous
3: It's dangerous. If, if, if you weak, you really, you, you, you might get raped. You might, whatever you it's dangerous. I don't
1: jail today. is more dangerous than ever been. Like Bimmy said, you know, we could have trade schools on Rikers Island. Everybody's talking about the borough-based jails that are going to cost $10 billion to build. They could rebuild on Rikers Island. They could put trade schools, invest so that they have a future when they leave the island, and and we could end this recidivism. But like I said, we don't decide who comes in our custody, right? We don't decide how long they stay in our custody. But yet we get blamed for everything that's wrong with the criminal justice system. Like everybody deserves to be safe, you know. Look, we come from the same neighborhoods that many of the inmates come from. You know, this notion that we are abusing this—this is like, this is not the Shawshank Redemption. This is what the people have in mind about jails, and
0: it's not true.
1: So you're saying it's based on it's based
0: on the old Rikers Island and these things of the past, and not the current reality. Lisa,
3: I'm gonna cut you off, but mental health plays a major role in this. So what Benny's saying is like. We getting these kids. We getting this stuff. They, they should have dealt with them before they came to us. They should have been took out of their parents' home before they came to this jail because it's mental health. Right and now, we get blamed for the mental health of
1: these kids. Right. But, because sorry, of I just want to work on preventing them from coming into our system, get the programs back sure. in the streets. Well, well I think know, that's so that, one
0: thing, but let, let me bring it back to Rikers, and, the, and that's one so, of the things that, that, that Mayor Adams is talking about. Alice, go right ahead. You want to jump in? I just I
4: want to jump in on that, and I don't disagree. Like, we need to keep people out of the facilities to begin with and out of the criminal justice system to begin with. But, like, at Rikers Island, you know, I love what Vimmy's doing and like having those kind of programs, but the right now. They're not even meeting like mandated programming. They're not getting, Department of Education is not providing classes to to the young um, people who are housed there. Um, So they're not, there's nothing to do. The mayor suspended the minimum standards so they don't get rec. So they're just locked in into these, when the doors work, they're locked in with nothing to do. No education, no rec, no services, barely any programming. And like Bimmy said, what that means is that they end up just fighting to survive. Right, and mm-hmm. I, I right. want
3: to say it's that. Right. 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 I was, I was, was there for two months. For two they months, I was there. Lost hold lost on, traffic. Benny. Benny, hold on. For two months, you can check the records. For two months, no stabbings, no violence, no kicking in doors, no running in the hallways, nothing. It's been quiet. For two and months, I've been it. there. No problem. C seventy four, adolescence.
0: Just check the so Benny there. He can check the record. No problems. Benny, in terms of the, in terms of the new commissioner, he said that he's reduced the overtime in five of the jails where most of the officers are doing eight hours, only single eight hour shifts. Do you buy that?
1: No, that, I mean, what he did was there was an emergency order that was put out by de Blasio that forced us into 12 hour shifts. Right. And what happened was as we got people coming back to work, they scaled back in some of the facilities going to eight hour shifts right? But there's those eight hour shifts are still working doubles in some cases. You understand what I'm saying? So the overtime is what it is. And, and we need the office of management and budget to approve the actual amount of officers that are needed on every single post because they've been hiding posts for years. And that's what I'm trying to get the public and everybody to understand. And Lisa, we are not against reform. I will sit down with the the Bronx Defender's Office, Alice, anybody that wants to sit down with the city council to be able to really explain what it is that's going on. Because these ghost posts and hiding and not actually accounting for the proper amount of staff has been detrimental to us. And that's what we want everybody to understand. Don't, Don't show, okay, it takes seven offices to run the enhanced supervision housing area each housing area right but on paper you'll only see two officers assigned
0: like working there this is what the major problem and if and you then, have and then, suicide- these, and then Betty, and then these go these these what you're calling these ghost posts are being filled in by overtime is that yes hundred percent and then right, we everything's short- not being accounted for all right, we're going to take a short break. This is right. Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back with more. What up?
3: What up? This, this is Trey Sons, and Sons this is Street Soldiers, Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Evers. Real, real issues, real politics, politics real,
4: real people, people, only on Hot 9.7. Right.
0: Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about Rikers Island realities. Joining us for this conversation, Alice Fontier. She's the managing director and attorney for the Neighborhood Defender Service in Harlem. Alice, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate Hi. it. Also with us, is Benny Basio Jr. He's the president of COBA, the correction officers union. Benny, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Lisa, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Also with us is Bimmy Antony, legendary hip-hop music producer and program coordinator for Rikers Island detainees. Bimmy, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Thank you. And also joining us is David Carr, New York City council member from Staten Island. He's on the criminal justice committee hearing all of these different arguments. David, as we look forward towards trying to create a situation where inmates are not choking on oranges, you know, a piece of an orange with nobody there to help them and dying in custody. And these correction officers who are just trying to go to, their jo- go to their jobs and are getting these horrific injuries. How do we, how much money is necessary or what are some of the, do you, what are some of the steps? Give us some hope basically is what I'm saying. What are some of the steps that need to happen?
2: Sure, so I think the first thing that needs to happen is the Department of Corrections and OMB, the Office of Management and Budget need to finish their analysis or reanalysis of what the need actually is at Rikers for for staffing, uniform and non-uniform alike, to make sure that we can have a real discussion in the council about the monies that we can allocate for resources at the jail system. The reality is I don't believe that there are enough correction officer positions budgeted at the moment. I think that we're seeing uh, the staffing stretched extremely thin. Um, particularly in relation to the addition of programming over those years, which is very positive for the institution and very positive for the detainees. But it creates taxes on the existing staffing allocations that we have, and it creates unsafe conditions for those working there and for those who are detained there alike. And I think that May is really when we're going to hopefully see the rubber hit the road and have a real debate on what the city is willing to do to overcome that staffing deficit.
0: Is it possible like for some of these programs because the the programs everybody seems to like them and and agree that they work to have have partnerships like like we do in some other areas of public life public private partnerships where maybe a music label comes in to sponsor this or a food you know like I think that those
2: are I think that those are absolutely you know we need more solutions we need innovative solutions and oftentimes that comes from outside government Um, And it creates a constructive outlet for those who are detained at Rikers, and it also creates a carrot that can be taken away. One of the things about maintaining discipline uh, among a population that's already in jail is by creating additional consequences. And when they're involved in programming they like, and there's an issue with discipline, the loss of that privilege for a time can help create uh, a pathway for people to get back on the road to getting out of Rikers and one day living productive lives with the, with the new skill set. And I think that's incredibly important because the key to reducing the prison population at Rikers is reducing recidivism. recidivism. And I think that has to be one of our primary objectives.
0: Definitely. Bimmy, and you, you've seen this firsthand with your, your program. You were telling me about, you know, how you handled it when some of the guys got, got out of hand or were disrespectful or just weren't, weren't following the rules that you set for them. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah, well, you know, it was an inmate in there. Um, he got out of hand with an officer, not an officer, but a civilian. And um, she was damn near crying, right, when I came downstairs. And, I, you know, and she came to me and she said, well, does the inmate disrespect me? And I, "Who? who are you talking about? She told me the name, but he was on his way downstairs to the studio. So she said, I wouldn't like him to be there. I said, let me let me talk. He's on his way here. You know, security bring him down. I can't just say bring him back. So right. I got him in the room. I brought him outside, away from everybody. I said, listen. I need you to apologize to this lady. I said, that was not right. You have to apologize. He looked at me and I said, I can't have you down here. And he wants me down here because I'm not him He's all right. So I brought her to her office. I knocked on her door. She came out, she looked at him. And, and I said, go ahead. I apologize. As a man, I had a bad day, but, we'll, but I don't make it right. But he kept going on with it. She accepted it. That day she came in the studio and stayed with us all day. Why he recorded staying there
0: all day. But, it, you know it, I mean? but that goes to David's point. Like if they know they're gonna lose the privilege, then that, that gives them some other some 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 other incentive. And that's um, what I've been
3: telling them. Look at this, Lisa, I'm gonna show you how is. this is my junior staff for cooking. All the inmates signed up. They all signed up. All of them. They named the cooking them, course you know, for the cooking course. Cooking course and the cooking course they doing for them is not good. It's hot dogs and um, hamburgers. I'm doing real food with, with my chefs to come in and I'm, I'm paying them what I've been doing and taking care of the staff and you know everybody. So I, don't, I just don't get it. I don't get it where, where the program is going. I, don't, I just don't get it. You know what I mean? I just don't get it. But you right. believe it makes, it it'll
0: make a difference in, in keeping and in, in preventing, in preventing people yes. from coming back?
3: Yes, yes, because they, they, they understand. I slept in the same beds, so they know I've been where they've been at. And yeah. I'm telling them I got exposed from Run DMC, Russell Simmons, you know Leo Cohen, you know Ella Cool J. They exposed me in life, so right. therefore right. I want to give my I want to give it back to them and show them.
0: And that's, and, fa- them and, that's and, th- and that's fantastic. The um Alice in term, in terms of the one other quick thing I want to talk about too, because we're talking about health, physical health, mental health. There's also a very very light staffing in terms of actual physical and mental health providers on Rikers Island as well. Any concerns about that? Or do you think there needs to be more with that as well?
4: I have concerns about all of it, but I just want to make one point that, you know, seems to be missing here is that Rikers Island has gotten more expensive every single year. As a city, we are spending over $500,000 per year per person that is housed in that facility. Perhaps Yes for half a million dollars. Alice, we I need, need a
1: breakdown of how they come to that I, from the company. number that how they get numbers Alice, from. I need a breakdown how they come to that 500,000. It is yeah. all, it's all, is all
4: broken it's all broken that. down in the com, in the controller's report. This is an annual report that they do to assess the total cost. David, and The controller has the numbers to back it up. So I, I think we that, are I think that they were using money, David. If we David, are spending half a million dollars Somebody as a city per person, Jesus. you could put them in the Alice, box Alice, we and give it, we them a, an, a, an assistant. I'm it's not, you, hear it, I'm here, not doubting you, but I want
0: to see how, what kind of math equations they're using, like how they're, how they're doing that and where that money is, is being broken down. Like how much we they should we have I encourage everyone to get the
4: report. It is a publicly filed report that is written by the city controller who does an investigation every year and comes up and all right, sure. we'll we'll the chart. We'll the math is academia. there and it is unbelievably I expensive to no, show people in mean, like, Louis, I
0: Okay, hold on one second. David, what, Alice, I'm not doubting you. I just want to see how they're compiling that number and where that's coming from, but I would love to get please. a copy of that and uh, and we'll t- we'll take a look at it. David, what about the amount of money that is there for the inmates? Because this this is also reminiscent of you know, the, the school system too, it's like there's so much money per student, but yet the, the classrooms are in disrepair. What about, the, um, what about the amount of money that's available per inmate? Is that, does that sound realistic?
2: So I think, I think the biggest drivers of the corrections department budget has been overtime, right? And, that, and that, that goes into the discussion we've been having about staffing. What is the necessary staffing levels? Because when you hire additional staff you're reducing overtime, so everybody thinks, "Oh, hiring means that we're increasing the budget." It's not, it's not, it's not, a, you know, a, a zero-sum game in that way. where are hiring more, just means we're going to pay more on top of what we're already paying. There's going to be reductions in overtime as a result of that. And I think that there's always a look. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fiscal conservative. I'm a Republican. I'm always looking at ways that we can reduce waste in government, and no agency is ever going to be exempt from that. But the reality is, is that the when it comes to the big issues that are affecting Rikers, it comes down to facilities and it comes down to staffing. One's a capital budget question, the other's an expense budget question. And we have our capital discussion tied up in the borrow-based jail system, which is taking our attention away from fixing real facilities challenges at Rikers that need to be addressed yesterday, not down, not years down the road. And we're never gonna get to that point unless we pivot back to the discussion that's the true reality, which is how do we make Rikers safe for the future? And, 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 that, actually, and that is a really question, we're back
0: should... to where we started. Benny, I'm gonna give you the last word on this. What, what would you like to see happen? I know you want more correction officers, but, but what would you like to see happen? Because this commissioner says he's I met mean, with look, we times. need
1: We need 2,500 at the minimum more officers. We need viable consequences for those that are committing crimes in jail, right? A crime is a crime no matter where it's committed. I have female officers being sexually assaulted and these watered down consequences are a big part of the emboldening of in- inmate actions you know we need if a crime is committed and somebody's assaulted or sexually assaulted there needs to be viable consequences we need you know consecutive sentencing on some to send a strong message that violence is not going to be tolerated in our facilities i mean we need infrastructure right Fix the cells. We live in the city of New York. We build bridges and tunnels and skyscrapers. We can't fix Rikers Island. They're not fixing Rikers Island because they don't want to fix it because they want to keep this so, quote unquote, cultural violence that they want to talk about. So they just say, oh, we just got to get off the island. Every time de Blasio was asked about Rikers, oh, we just got to get off the island. We just got to get off the island. But meanwhile, in the whole time frame, they let us rot. They let the infrastructure fall apart. So that, I guess so they could have more of an excuse to close Rikers Island. The Littman Commission was full of real estate developers. So let's talk about what it really is. It's 411 acres of waterfront property. And when we talk about the borough-based jails, nobody wants them in their communities, Lisa. We live in a city with almost 9 million people. How can you have a capacity of 3,300? 3, capacity in the, thir- when we go to borough-based jail, the capacity will be 3,300
0: inmates. We got 5,700 inmates in our, in our custody right now. Right, and, and, and that number could be going higher as they, uh, with these new policing measures, which is, is for another show. But I wanna thank all of you for being with us for this episode of Sweet Soldiers. Alice Fontier, thank you so much for joining us. Benny Basio Jr., great to have you with us. Um, Bimmy, great to have you with us as well, thank you. David Carr, thank you so much, appreciate your time. With this, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Speed Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind as your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.